This podcast includes explicit language and situations. It is intended for adults 18 years of age and older. These thoughts and opinions are not those of any specific group, employer, or individual. Listener discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign with your hosts, Justin Reardon and Kelly Hanahan. Welcome back to episode nine of Behind the Yard Sign. So good to be back. I love I it. Know. We've been cycling through <laughs> some of our favorite clients. We've we've had brought on people who are experts in all different kinds of areas of uh, real estate. But one thing we haven't done yet is really interview anyone from a Spade and Archer. So um, we are so happy to have Chad Hickey <gasps> with us, our operations leader and creative principal for Spade and Archer. And previously he was uh, leading the Seattle office, but now he's brought into become a huge pillar of leadership in Spade and Archer and now oversees all three offices, Portland, Seattle, and Los Angeles. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Fantastic. How are you, Chad? Oh, great. How are you guys? (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. If you were just going to say it like in a nutshell, like what's your job? What do you do? My wonderful job is that I basically oversee uh, operations and all of our design installations across our company. So all three offices. I'm integral in the not only just uh, how it gets done, but then also the aesthetic of how it comes out. Helping everybody get their job done helping all the installations go through effectively and then also just being kind of the final person that uh, maintains the aesthetic to make sure it's all on point to kind of read as a spade nurture project. I love that whole idea that our creative director is also our operations person because there's all these different aspects of design but our design is limited to what we can actually do so if we've got a desk that's in Los Angeles that would be perfect in a project in Seattle there has to be a way to get it from point a to point b like design doesn't just happen in a vacuum you know like like make it pretty and you wave your hand and it's pretty there's work that goes into that and people think of home staging as being like this really fun job and i'm always like well it's 90 percent schlep and 10 percent fun mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is and it, it, even across markets it's even different too because like you know seattle and portland are totally different than comparatively to la so different people different projects different aesthetics and so it's uh definitely there's a huge operational kind of uphill battle and all those things. So As we, we have a joke on the show that like our three different offices are like three completely different children that we don't quite understand. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you're like, you're, you're the dad <laughs> of these three oh, offices. Man. And you get <laughs> the dad and the mom. And like, yes, very, very little happens from a design perspective on any of our projects in terms of any installation that you are not involved in. We always we talk about how real estate transactions are just controlled chaos and home staging is just logistics with good taste is what we talk about that's our new tagline spade and archer logistics with good <laughs> pretty taste. pretty much is what it is it's just like absolute <laughs> chaos um but so little happens without you being involved at all so tell us a little bit about your career journey and how you ended up in real estate how you ended up in home staging it's an interesting path because i you know even from being a young gay boy always decorating things and, you know, trying to like arrange the cushions into forts. Um, You know, I always knew I had like a creative sense. I went to UC Santa Cruz and I started off as a pre-med bio. And so I was no like, no way, Chad, yeah, I didn't I know that. Oh my God. <laughs> I had no idea. 
uh-huh. And then I was like sitting there and I was doing it and I was going through like crazy uh, classes in the beginning. And, you know, right before I got to OCHEM, I was like, can I see myself in like a lab coat or what would I be doing with this? In my head, this cathartic moment where I was just like, okay, well, this is probably not what I want to do. So I need to change gears. So then I went into uh, psychology and I got heavily into like social psychology. And I was like, this is great, but I thought it was too easy. And so then I doubled on to uh, adding economics. And so I was a double major in economics and psychology. And then I got out of that when I graduated. Then I moved to San Francisco and I was like, wait, you finished. Yeah, you finished in economics and psychology. Like you actually have a degree in that. Yeah. Econ, psych, all that stuff. So then I moved to San Francisco and that was right in like 2001 when everything was like crashing. And so through college, I always worked at the Santa Cruz uh, or Seabright Brewery. So I was in hospitality, hospitality a lot. I was a server and then I kept moving up and got into wine buying and all this stuff. And then I'm like kind of one of those like stereotypical stories of, you know, a suburban housewife who just isn't happy in what they're doing and gets stuck in front of the television watching HGTV. And so that was literally my life. And I was like watching HGTV. I was unhappy with what I was doing. And I realized that I I needed that creative outlet that I always loved throughout my whole life. So that's when I went back to school and got another degree in interior design. I went through that, you know, got that degree. And then I immediately went into like kind of hospitality design. I interned with a hospitality design company. And, you know, I was working on like Ritz Carlton's and China and all these different things. And I know it's hotels. Is it restaurants too? And some retail or what else does it encompass? Hospitality is like restaurants, bars, clubs, stuff like that. You know, anything that you can find inside of a hotel that would be considered mm-hmm. hospitality. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with hospitality, it was one of those things where you design for... I worked on a penthouse suite in you know Guangzhou, China for the Ritz-Carlton that had no budget. You know, it was just like <laughs> gilded gold, anything you want. They just like wanted it. And I was just like a little intern at that point. I was like, is this what it's like? You know what I liked? About- no, it's not <laughs> no, like it's that not at all. <laughs> no, especially now, for sure. <laughs> Big difference. But, but that's what I fell in love with, that kind of feeling of it all, because you're designing for somebody to walk into a space and have a 24-hour experience, you know? And that's when the design has to really hit them. I already love design, but then that's when it was like, oh, this is like an emotional thing too, you know? So from there, I became a designer at this small, high, and showroom slash like retail place and that was kind of my first designer gig it's called Worldware back in the day in san francisco and then started to do my first iteration of my own company so i kind of went out and started having my own design clients was that like residential was that hospitality as well no, like what were you yeah, it was, resi- what was, it was residential company? yeah it was only residential okay just did that for a while and but always still had my feet dabbling in like hospitality and restaurants because it was like I had to, like, had to, to make money in San Francisco and afford it. Like, I had, you know, but that's also kind of my head. Like, I, I'm always doing 5,000 things. It's just what I do. That's just how it is. We're like, Chad, yeah. you have to go on vacation. And you're like, no. And we're like, yes. <laughs> it sounds like Kelly's joking, but this was literally a conversation that Chad and I had two months ago. Yeah. Chad, we're going to... You did it. Good job. Good job. We're going to take you. away all your hours if you don't go on vacation. <laughs> It's not that we won't take them away. You just can't earn any more. Right. So. 
I don't. I want to keep earning them for sure. So yes, yes. So then I was in San Francisco doing that. Always kind of dabbling in both. Had you know multiple companies with uh, myself and sometimes different people that all failed, and I learned a lot from. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't necessarily fail, but move on, kind of thing. It's funny. I don't even think you know this, Justin. My first staging gig was like as a a independent designer for this apartment complex in uh, South Lake Union. Yeah. So wait, you did a you did a staging gig? I did. I had staging experience. Where did you get your stuff? <laughs> like where did because like that the hardest part about becoming a stager is that you have to buy inventory and it mm. takes a massive amount of capital. Yeah. Or you, I guess you can rent inventory from furniture rental shops. But like, how did you? Where did you get the stuff? Where did where did it all come from? Did they buy I everything? I just had a like, budget. Yeah, bought everything. Bought everything. So what happened to it when it was done? It was a model room situation. So they used it to show places, uh, show you know perspective clients and tenants. Gotcha. Then just kind of doing the same thing. A lot of design, kind of independent, kind of collabs with people. And then also in hospitality here. But still that same thing came back to me where I was like, I need to throw myself into design again. Like it was started to itch me again. All of a sudden, uh, a mutual friend of Justin and and mine uh, came up to me and mentioned Justin to me and said that there was this job that he thought I'd be good for and, you know, had conversations. And I know this is going to lead into that story, Justin. So I'm just wait. I could see it on your face. (laughs) I think this guy and I had tea together and I mentioned offhand that I was like looking for for a creative director for our Seattle office. And he paused for like, I don't know, 10 seconds. And he said, oh, Chad Hinky. And he said it like I should know who you are. Like, you know, of course, every fucking knows Chad. I think he like gave you my number and vice versa. And um, Chad was literally the first person that I interviewed for this position. He came in and I think we spent like four hours together or something. And he like put together a room and it was really cute. And like he drew a good floor plan and we bonded. And like we went out to lunch together. We like were quoting Clueless yeah. like all day long because both of us love Clueless. Like, cause, you know, we're homosexuals. <laughs> and I wrote to him and I was like, I really appreciate your time. You're not the guy. That was after like, what, five interviews at that point too? I think it was like five interviews. Yeah. Yeah. And I I was just like, sorry, dude. It was a tough decision for me to make because I have hired so many people that I hired them because I liked them. And it was such a humongous mistake that I was totally questioning myself because I liked Chad, not only for the position he was going to do, but I also liked him as a person. And that's a danger zone for me because I am an insatiable flirt and I fall in love with anybody who's in my presence. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a good employee. So I totally second guessed myself and I turned him down. So three weeks go by and I get this letter from Chad and it's like, I just need you to understand that I have thought about this job every day since the day you turned me down. And I think you made a gigantic mistake. And I was like, Hey, not only did you do a good job during the interview, but you also have some huge fucking balls. Like to write to somebody and write that letter. I'm like, you are, you are ballsy. And I would love to give you a second chance. And Chad says, well, I'm not going to bother to come in unless you're actually going to like be serious about this. I'm like, dude, I'm gone. I'm like prostrating myself here. I am laying on the ground and being like, come in here. He said, okay. And I think we addressed like my three red flag concerns. He gave some really good, smart, intelligent answers, which reaffirmed that he's the right person for the job. And I think you started like, I don't know, two weeks later or something, right? 
right? That was years ago at this point, mm-hmm. and now he essentially runs the company. All of the stuff that actually happens out there in field goes through Chad's hands. I, so I got a question for you, Chad. <laughs> yeah, what's up? What's the what's your favorite aspect of the job? I know that people look at they probably tell people like I'm a home stage and they're like, oh my God, that's the best job ever. What when you if you were somebody to ask you like what's the best part of your job, what would you say? Well, you know, it's gone through different iterations just based on like from where it started and then to now. So there's definitely an evolved sense. I think that ultimately, based on what I said before about my frenetic kind of mind and kind of being happy and the busy and crazy, it's like the big thing that I love about it is being heavily involved in every single project and I see every project from a screen and so it's almost like a little video game it's like a design video game for me it's fun because it's like one of those things where you see things in this like game sense and you're like trying to move things around and make this puzzle work and so there's like this like creative challenge every single day and like going back to the hospitality comment it's it's you know staging's a lot like hospitality is because we're we have 15 minutes for somebody to tour a phone a home and so you know same thing in hospitality is 24 hour experience so you're trying to elicit this like emotional response in a person and so by doing this we're creating these beautiful spaces that are one kind of psychologically manipulative and then two also just kind of based on something that's not really realistic you know based for a photograph it's like you know based off of what a tour would be and how it would feel so it's, it's interesting in that you have to take all these different kind of elements and put them into a space and create something beautiful and all our projects are done in a day and so each office is doing projects every day as well so I'm consistently in these games and I think it's fun like I think it's great like you know it's it's something where you get immediate kind of results Um, we're able to see beautiful pictures of every single project we do not only does it elicit this like beautiful response in people when they go through and purchase these homes for whatever amount of money it is but it also allows me to create this emotional experience with the designers and so I really appreciate that I think I would love to I would love to pose this same question to Kelly like Kelly what's your favorite part my favorite part is just being able to just like every single day see end result end result end result so it's just like you guys do all the hard work and I get to roll in and be like this house sold in four days (laughs) this one sold for $40,000 over asking I have done every job in this company I've done every job poorly my entire job since opening this company has been to replace myself in every single thing that I do that was like my, my first coach told me he was like you right now you own a job you do every single thing. You write the contracts, you do the consults, you install the projects, all those things. And my job throughout this entire time has to find people that are better at each one of those aspects and specialize them into those little things that I was doing and then have them take that role and expand it. Like I was a mediocre social media and marketing person, but you took the things that I did and just like blew them up. I was a mediocre creative director and Chad took those things and just kind of like blew them up and made them bigger. Of all of the jobs that I've had in this company, my favorite moment of this work is the last five minutes of every project. When you've walked into a house that day and it looks like a sick dog that is on its last legs and no matter what house it is, they all look like shit when they're empty. We go through and we work hard for eight or ten hours and there's this last little five minutes where the crew has stepped out and you're just walking around to like turn off lights and lock doors and check to make sure that everything looks perfect and it's this moment of calm and satisfaction that you get on a daily basis that I don't think a lot of people get that really concrete final I completed something and I think that as home stagers is the thing that's really the reward 
of you make this thing that was ugly into something that was really beautiful so quickly. It's such an instant gratification job. Even in architecture, doing tenant improvements, it took six weeks to actually even see a set of plans and another six weeks to see it built. So like you're talking three months before you see a product here, it's like every day you see a product. It's so fun. Ever since I started this job, I, and the reason why I went back to Justin and I said, hey, you made a mistake was because knowing what I did then and knowing what I didn't know now, uh, I think that my background of having a degree in economics, design and psychology, especially psychology. is a big one <laughs> like that goes so hand in hand. It's ridiculous ridiculous because like yeah we may have these day projects and stuff like that but to your point before about how stressful this is like we're coming into one of the most stressful points in a pe person's life you know and we're like hey we'll make it pretty let trust us and they're like why do we want to trust you this is expensive and so there is a lot of psychology and not even just psychology with like person to person it's like the psychology of space too and how they see it and how they view it and then throw COVID into the mix <laughs> And, you know, it <laughs> just so blows everything up. <laughs> this whole year has been so, all we can do is laugh. It's so unpredictable because we even like during the winter time, we usually slow down. And so we come up with all these projects that we can work on, like long-term training and building artwork and all this stuff. And like, none of that has happened this year because our November was as busy as what our June usually is, which is very strange. It's really weird. And so we're just trying to like keep going, keep mm -hmm. running and keep our people healthy yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Every office is in a different state. And so each state has different regulations. And so as much as like operations seem like they could be a team of person, a team of whatever, however many number of people can go to a house and make it pretty. We got shot down to two people per house per day in Seattle. And so even though that the business was still kind of coming in, fortunately, we had to like spread out our calendar so much. And, you know, L.A. had to do similar things. Portland had to do similar things. They didn't have to go down to that. A many, one day but, stage turns into a three down yeah. a three day stage yeah yeah so you know you're just it's busy work times infinity at that point you know you're just it's hard it was hard it was hard for sure and, and again to your point it's always changing i mean right now it's yeah. changed again <clears throat> while we're trying to do that and trying to get it down to like two people in a house per day we still have folks that we work with that are trying to use our system the way that it existed before covid and before covid everything was handshakes and belly rubs and backpats and we were in person and huggies and kissies and super close all of our marketing was a hand-to-hand -hand, and we had to go through and change everything is where we don't see our clients anymore a lot of people had a really hard time adjusting to that even last night i wrote an email where somebody was like i want you to come to my client's house and hang out with me and them for an hour sit down and have tea and discuss what their projects would be like and i was like sorry oh <laughs> we don't do that we would be more than glad to have a zoom with them though <laughs> <laughs> we'll come by and take a look at the house when they're not there. And then we'll have a Zoom with them. And literally she wrote back and she was like, oh, right. We don't do that anymore. And I, yes, we don't do that anymore. So it's a constant reminder. It's always there. It affects like every aspect of our lives for sure. But it's been, I'm really happy with how it's turned out. Our staff has been great. That's, you know, a monumental thing to have. Even though we did have a, had a lot of turnover even too. Like not just because of COVID. It was just. I don't even know if we had a turnover we had, a, we had a writing of a ship. Like we have the we have the correct people on board at this time, which makes me super Oh my happy. gosh. Yeah. With amazing. I, I forget when yeah. you were saying it, Justin, the other day. We're so lucky that, you know, a lot of businesses are falling into two buckets right now. Either like they are suffering and sinking with COVID or they are thriving. And we are so lucky to be among other businesses who are doing well at this time. It's almost harder to have anything go right this year because no one wants to hear about it. 
<laughs> because so many terrible things are happening to so many people and it's really hard to be doing well. People don't want to hear it. We have the right people doing the right jobs and we have completely tweaked our process that will continue to expand our business COVID and beyond just in terms of the innovation and the tech we've brought on talk about being able to scale us having to pare down some processes that were all in person and belly to belly and putting them online does scale our business and and helps our personnel do more of their job and less admin work it was a kick in the pants I mean and just to be clear we are very glad that we are in a success bucket right now like that makes us very happy as a you know I'm getting to that point like I think Chad said it yesterday I was like hey did you guys know that you can change the message that you send to somebody when they're calling you and you text them and it says like, sorry, I can't talk right now. You can change it and make them funnier. And he's like, yeah, thanks, dad. Appreciate that. <laughs> and like in the past year, I have been called dad in so many occasions because like I take pictures of my computer with my phone and send it to people. I'm like, look at what I found. And people are like, yeah, that's some dad tech you got there. Good job. As a 46-year-old man, you know, technology starts to move a lot faster than we do. And I have been a stick in the mud when it comes to changing our technology and growing our website and turning it into a tool for our clients. We actually started that process about four or five months before COVID hit, which was incredibly so lucky. lucky. I can't say that we like planned that shit or anything. It was luck. In that vein, it came even better because a lot of our clients were super worried about this idea of instant pricing because we wouldn't have that in-person touch. And with COVID coming at the same time, it eliminated that worry. And so that was one less thing that was off our plate. And we've been able to use technology to grow our company, despite the fact that I'm an old man who doesn't really understand it. Kudos to you guys for helping me grow and, and bring this company to where it is right now. I mean, but come on, how many dad jokes do you do every day? You're taking it on. You're full force. <laughs> As the gay, like, I, I am I'm so honored to be able to be a dad. I don't know if you guys ever heard the story about our adoption. When you're doing an open adoption, you go to this, this room. When you're first introduced to being the adoption, it's you and a bunch of other couples are sitting around in a circle and they go through and they talk to each couple about how they ended up in this room talking about adoption. And it's us and like 15 straight couples. And we heard 14 stories of failure of I, we tried to have a baby. It didn't work social pressure. And now we've given up to the point where now we're ready to adopt. Even to the point where like one wife was there without her husband because he was like, I'm not raising a stranger. Ugh. So all of these stories were like really sad and really heartbroken. We were the last ones to go. And we were like, uh, we're just super happy that you guys let us in here. Um, <laughs> we can have sex till the cows come home. I'm never going to get pregnant. Like that is never going to happen. That was never an expectation. There's no social pressure on us to get pregnant. We're just super glad this is our only option. So we were coming as at it from like a place of success rather than a place of failure. It was very exciting for us. And so being able to be a dad, and when you guys call me a dad, like I take totally. that as a compliment. I'm like, I love I get to be that guy. This is awesome. <laughs> Wait, dad or daddy? Like what, what's the difference? Yeah, a little bit of both. Okay, okay yeah, yeah. Just a little bit of both. Clarify. <laughs> um, we're very lucky in that not just do we get the dad jokes, but we get gay dad jokes, which is a whole other spin. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell you my latest, like just fucking terrible joke. Here we go. What's the difference? What's the difference between a 1967 vintage cherry condition, bright red, like fresh dripping paint Corvette and a raging hard on? Something about popping the trunk. I don't have a Corvette. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> difference. 
Thanks, Perfect. Gay Dad. Yeah, there it is. Right there. Gay Dad yeah. joke mm-hmm. on demand. And the lawsuit was filed four minutes later. <laughs> yeah. If our employees could not listen to this podcast, that'd be great. Back to Chad. Like, I only hear about stuff when, when you and I talk. I think so many things happen day to day. What would be, if you were to look back on all your time now at Spade and Archer, what was your best day in real estate where you were just like, yes, me being in home staging in the real estate environment is totally where I'm meant to be. This is so fulfilling. It's kind of a collection of a few similar events that I would say, because one of the most challenging things, and I'm sure that everybody could agree with this, one of the most challenging things is the job if you're a manager is managing people. You know, people come into the situation with whatever they're coming to the table with and you know you have to be an effective nurturing boss well I feel like I do that's kind of my approach like I want people to feel like they're safe I want people to feel like they're you know moving forward and and happy in in their job and so you know all those things that we've talked about previous to this is like it's challenging a lot of the times you know we're moving heavy furniture people are upset we're facing you know angry people stressed out people all the time so you know and then adding management on top of that is can be challenging I have been lucky enough to have people who have left our company, you know, on their last day, and it's been three times now. And I'm very, very, you know, take a lot of pride in, in the fact that on their way out, they come to me and tell me that I've been the best boss they've ever had. Aww. So it's just, it's not about design. It's not about that. It's about the hardest thing, you know, for me, which is management. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you guys know that I have a face does things when I, you know, when I'm thinking things in my head, like I'm expressive in that way. And like, (laughs) I I don't know, I'm not always effective in certain, you know, situations too. I'll admit to that. People describe that for me as resting bitch face. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that about you, of course, but yes. uh, Yeah. Things that I always question myself if I'm doing right, but then you get that kind of affirmation that people actually have enjoyed their experience and have gotten a lot out of it. So those are the best times, you know, and it's not really staging related. It's just being manager or I boss. Love that. Yeah. In that vein though, if, if you have a hard time taking critique, this is not the place for you. When you work at Spade and Archer, you work in any design field and part of the reason why we like people to go through design school before they get here is because they've been critiqued over and over and over again. And when you're receiving the critique and somebody says to you, I do not like that lamp. It needs to be moved over six feet. They're not saying, I don't like you. You did a terrible job and you put that lamp in the wrong place. They're saying in order to make this project correct, that lamp needs to move. We are collaborating together to get that done. It's really hard to be critiqued every day, all day long on every single thing that you do. It's also really hard to deliver those critiques every day, all day long, because it feels like you're just tearing people down. And so to have somebody leave a design job and say to you, you're the best boss I've ever had, especially in a position where your job is to literally critique them on a daily basis on what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong, that's a huge compliment. That is gigantic. And my hope is that 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 whole thing goes throughout our entire company, that we are able to receive and to give critique in a way that grows us into a stronger position rather than just tearing us down to your point like i'm critiquing all the time i oftentimes you know i like to critique in a way where I ask questions about what the design choice was and then what I'm thinking and how we need to change it. Sometimes when there's like too much back and forth, I do have to just be like, well, just change it. 
let's just do this. And so, I, you know, it, it's a delicate balance. But then also, like, I really appreciate the fact that people actually can put that aside and actually just kind of, you know, learn and be part of it. Because I learn every day, too. I think that's important about my job. Like, I'm learning from, you know, even my staff and things that they do. Because, you know, we do have our standards of what we do and how we do it. But I also don't want to, like, stifle any, cre- any creativity in them. And that's important for our designers and our people that work for us. Even our warehouse people. I'm like, a lot of them, like, flourish when we give them like design things to do inside the warehouse like all of a sudden they're they're over there like painting and doing all this stuff and just making artwork and having fun and you're like oh okay okay i see you okay you like this don't you turn this into like diy craft workshop in the warehouse yeah. you know it's i love that and they didn't yeah. know they love that kind of thing until all of a sudden they're forced to do it a job <laughs> so it's funny we also deal with slightly cultural disconnections too because we've got southern california and the pacific northwest and in the pacific northwest Northwest, we're aggressively passive aggressive. And so like when we give direction, we'll often ask questions. We'll say, well, how would you feel about moving that lamp over six feet? And in the Pacific Northwest, people know that that's you saying move that lamp over six feet. In Southern California, they're like, no, that doesn't, I don't like that. I'm not actually asking. I'm telling you to do that. (laughs) And it's this like, there's a communication boundary there too, that we have to really think about how we're addressing, how we're talking, how we're marketing to people, because that passive aggressiveness that flies in Portland and Seattle does not fly in LA at all. I'd, I could never be the Devil Wears Prada boss. What's her name? It's based on Anna Wintour. Anna Wintour. I don't remember what the character's name was. But, you know, she's just, like, wicked. And, like, I always kind of, like, base how I'm being perceived off of, like, what I d- absolutely don't want to be perceived as. And so, like, I have that huge marker of a moment in my head. I would never want to be that to anybody else. So, but sometimes you got to, like, be stern. Sometimes you got to do things. But we're all in the same boat trying to get the same outcome. And I think our staff is so great in that way that they all understand that. And they know me well enough to to know that um, I will always listen and answer questions. I describe your management style as off, O-F-F, organized, firm, and friendly. You know, he always knows exactly what he wants. He's extremely mm-hmm. organized. He's very friendly in that he delivers the news in a very nice way, but firm in that, like, don't fuck with Chad. Like, really, you <laughs> so shouldn't true. fuck with Chad. Like, that's not going to turn <laughs> yep. out good for you because, you know, Chad will go off. Organized, firm, and friendly. I mean, off, but really. <laughs> Chad, we come into these offices. Of course, you love your job, yada, yada, yada. Promotional, you know, this whole thing is talking about how great Spade and Archer is. That's great. But... There has to be a day when you're like, you know what, I really don't know why the fuck I'm doing this. And we would love for you to just tell us the story. Walk us through that day where like you really had to question why the fuck you're here. Again, like, yeah, there's two specific examples, uh, examples that are in my head and you and I share one of them, I'm sure. My, you know, metaphor is that my daily is like putting out fires. And so like we're always putting out fires, like something, you know, breaks or something goes wrong or somebody can't get in a house or they don't like something. It's just whatever it is, it's always something. And the one time that I really remember being beat down was, you remember Justin, it was this time when we were doing this house up in, I think it was Laurelhurst or something. It was a builder. That was a thing too. The builder like tiered management style owner, you know, management, all these stuff, people. And so there's so many people involved in a one house project. I remember this house and they were renovating the whole thing. And, you know, we just finished and it was, I think we had like five staff in there. And this is when I used to like do creative direction on site and go to every single house in Seattle. And so I went there and then all of a sudden the owner of this construction company comes in. He can hear him in the background. I hear him come in and everybody's like frantic. His assistant's there. Somebody else is there. They're all like, 
kind of just kind of stepping around his attitude a little bit because you can see him, he, you can hear him being gruff. And then so I, I see my staff look at me like, okay. And so I have to go in and go up to the guy and talk to him and just ask him if you'd like to walk through the house and, you know, if there's anything that you want to change, whatever it is, let's, let's talk about it. We'll have a create a list and we'll, we'll make anything happen for you. And so I had to go through this house and right as he turned the corner to go down the first hallway, I've never heard somebody say so many F-bombs to my face and call me trash and what I was doing trash and said, fuck you and F you, F you. Like, this is ridiculous. What kind of grandmother? Like, all this stuff. Literally, like, you know, diffusing a situation is like, like that is, is challenging on its own. But then also with you have, when you have his staff there and all my staff around, it was one of those moments where I've never been yelled at and just decimated so much by anybody in my life, really. Like, and it was like consistent by a person that I don't know. Not like moments ago, right? Yeah, just walking through the door. Like, who are you to say this stuff to me and actually treat staff members of mine like this? This is not okay. So I took a lot of the F-bombs at that point and then I literally just like stopped him. If you continue to say this at all to my face or to my staff, if you have one more word with my staff, you will not be allowed back in this house at all and we will take all our stuff out of here and leave. But I had to say that graciously. Like, I don't need this, like, personality coming in here just being a total dick to everybody and scaring everybody. That was probably about a solid, like, hour of just getting yelled at. And then you just, like, step back. And I had to step back and, you know, first make sure that all my staff is okay. You know, walk through, talk to every single person. Make sure that they know that that's not how it happens. Make sure that they know that they're safe. Make sure that they know that, like, if that ever does happen, like call me and I'll put myself through that. They don't have to go through that. So putting out those fires, that was a major example of a a huge moment. But it was hard. Like, you know, afterwards, you just sit in the car and like, don't move for a solid like 20 minutes. Did you guys change some stuff? Did you have to rearrange it? Did you guys end up keeping the stuff in the house? Like, what was the outcome of that? We walked through and actually then I started to speak with the assistant who was much calmer and apologized to me about her boss because she was just like, oh yeah, he's hard to deal with sometimes and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, great, keep him away. Don't ever let him back in here. <laughs> she has to live with him all the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh I my feel goodness. That. But yeah, we made change outs. You know, if, if, some, if somebody hates anything in the house, like we always say, we'll change something out in 24 hours. And this is a stressful moment. And this guy was just coming in as like, who knows? This is not a homeowner. He's just like a developer. And so he has this idea. And then, you know, we deal with homeowners who have a certain idea of what they want their house to look like. And we can always appease them. They just have to understand that they have to see the final product and then we'll make adjustments as needed. But then again, I had my staff come to me and thank me and say, you were great in that. And thanks for stepping in. And so, you know, I'm glad you were there at that moment. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about swears for a moment. So like we swear on the podcast. I swear. I swear like a trucker. I love swearing. I love, I think it makes language more colorful. I think it's good fun, but it also is very, very powerful. And when it's used in a negative way to attack, it can really, really set people back. I think you've noticed that when I get pissed off, like it's, I stop swearing. Like there's no swears there because I don't use it in that way. I don't like to use it in that way. Like I probably swear at my husband. Like that's (laughs) somebody who's like, close enough to me that I know he'll forgive me when I'm done. But I love to say, like, you know, tell me about your worst fucking day. Like, that's that's where swears can be colorful and they can make things, uh, you know, warmer and more exciting. They can help you build trust with people. But man, when they're turned against you, whoo, 
when they're aimed at you as a weapon, it's tough, man. That is really tough, especially when you're dealing with a client. Yeah, and then also it's yeah, a client, absolutely. and I can't turn around and start doing it to him too. And then the other part that I was just going to say is, you know, putting out fires. That metaphor is actually was a not a metaphor with us, and uh, the really hard time when our whole entire warehouse burnt down was um, the one that I'm sure we shared together. Justin, that was one of the hardest kind of moments. That was like a worst 14 days ever, and I mean we fared really well. Like it was a rough day for sure. When my landlord called me and said, your building is on fire. I was like, yeah, I was setting off fireworks at that moment. Like it was the 4th of July. And he's like, yeah, your building's on fire. And I was like, well, have you seen it yet? And he's like, no. I'm like, well, why don't you go look first? And I'll, then we'll then we'll talk about it. And then, you know, I like when you're entertained like that, you can't like freak out in front of everybody because everybody else freaks out. So I kind of like finished lighting the fireworks and I kind of like, you know, mosey inside and I Googled the term Seattle fire and my heart dropped. I mean, yeah, if you look at that, at the footage that's on our website, there's like flames shooting out of the front of our building and like smoke building out and like three hoses like shooting in. When I got there like two days later, I went past the yellow tape, past the caution lines and I found we had a couple of trucks that were parked in the yard and I dug through ashes to find the keys for those trucks. And I mean, it was just gross. It was so gross and so disheartening. Yeah. Oh, that was that was a terrible day. Did they ever yeah. find out what the cause Absolutely. of the fire was? No, they did not definitively find out what the cause of the fire was. They knew that it was not our fault and so our insurance paid. Yeah. Then we got to go shopping. Well, back to the good days. Right? So, did a lot, a lot of shopping. shopping. Yes. Totally. All of these logistics day to day are so crazy. Not to mention just logistics of moving furniture. And then you have the real estate agent and what they need and the homeowners and what they need and then your staff and what they need. But on top of that, you're in charge of all the shopping and all of the acquiring of all of our goods. Is that normally a really fun process or is does that get a little uh, stressful at times too? Uh, no, that's fun. It's fun for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who doesn't like to go shopping, right? Tell them about our trip to market. Tell them about what market is. Las Vegas markets. All the furniture kind of manufacturers, all the accessory manufacturers. It's all Las Vegas biggest market is like the west coast version of high point and high point is the big market of the whole entire nation where everybody all the manufacturers come together and have these showrooms that you know there's very few there's probably about 20 percent of these showrooms that are actually there in the building that they're held in that are there year round otherwise it's like a full-on massive staging project because they come in with all of their goods they create these amazing showrooms and they're there for like four days five days something like that one week twice a year yeah, right one, like in winter and summer mm -hmm, and that's it mm -hmm. so and we got to go through and just do that and that's kind of the also one of my favorite parts is like you we may be home stagers but you know core element of what we do is to, is to have classic items like that's why we have a lot of mid-century kind of antiques and stuff these are classic goods you know but we mix them with a bunch of new elements and new upholstery goods and so it's like that kind of creative mix and that's also why i actually took the job with Spade and Archer because I appreciated the aesthetic and uh, the aesthetic was like, you know, creating a really refined, collective, cohesive feel with a bunch of different things that if you did all in one house, you know, all mid-century items in one house, it'd be just like a mid-century house, but a museum. Yeah. Yeah. We got to go through and, you know, we get to work on our brand and how it evolves and so that was our last big thing too is like where are we going next and what are the trends without us being trendy but you get to go through some pretty funny stuff in in the world of furniture and design when you go to these markets because oh my god it's every aesthetic that you could imagine and did we hop on that big bed there was like a rotating bed. <laughs> yes. yes. 
what amazes me is that like they're not joking like they're not joking at all and you know this is market and it feeds like the midwest to the coast to new york like that's every kind of furniture you could possibly find like big old sectionals those big old puffy like lazy boy sectionals and like the big trend the year we were there was like it was called the action headrest and it was a headrest that moved mechanically to like make you more comfortable and then uh, i think our whole mantra shopping there last year was it was called no mo boho which was like <laughs> no more bohemian <laughs> chic <laughs> because every single home stager in 2019 filled their entire inventory with boho mm-hmm. and we were like we are not doing mm-hmm. that so like yep. every time i pick up something like this is cute and he would go no more boho and i'm like oh, oh okay sorry sorry <laughs> true so it's fun and he had a broken foot or something at the time too so yeah i had a torn achilles tendon yes just to set the scene, it's three buildings. I think one of them is 15 stories and the other two are 10 stories. Is that right? Something like that. They are 10,000 square feet on each floor plate. And so you have, what is that? That's 35, that's 3.5 million square feet of furniture showrooms. And your job is to make it through the entire thing. You can't buy anything. Like everything is there just, it's just four models. And so you order stuff while you're there and they have really good deals on everything. So you want to go because you can buy things for less, for less expensive. But I mean, like Chad said, I mean, it's everything. And some of the stuff I look at, I'm like, who the hell buys that? And sure (laughs) shit, someone buys it. And it's not just furniture. It's like plates and gifts and anything you would find in like a gift shop or, or a furniture store. For me, it's like, that's fun. I love that aspect and, you know, Justin really appreciated it too. Like we, at that, after having that moment too, we, we decided what we were not going to do next time, what we would do next time, how to hit it the best, most effective way. Like he's like, I'm not wearing a suit this next time. <laughs> like It's a dichotomy though, because the salespeople, the people that are selling stuff are dressed up. And what you don't realize is that they're not walking, you know, 15 miles in a day to try and buy this stuff so you can't wear a suit when you're a buyer like you got to wear something Mm -hmm. comfortable you got to wear tennis shoes Mm -hmm. (laughs) velour jumpsuit your tennis shoes is that your best day story that that was super fun yeah i love that component of the job because that's like when you're kind of in this like macro sense creating a brand and stuff and buying and shopping and running around and kind of you're in this zone pretty much uh you know, it was fun with you too because we got to like show you brands that I knew and you got to pull and show me things that you like and it was cool. It was super fun and collaborative. So my best days are still management employee kind of moments and stuff, but those are great days. Those are fun. You know, when we have the money to do it and run around and do some shopping and enhance our inventory, it's always great because, I mean, it's helpful. Like looking at the stuff we got even on that trip comparatively in our offices now, we use it all the time and it's great. It's enhanced our brand. So Chad Hinky, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Show. This has been really interesting. Chad Hinky is the creative principal for our Spade and Archer offices in Portland, Los Angeles, and Seattle. You can find him at spade-archer.com, which is the same place you can find us. Our music is performed and composed by Joff Metz. You can find him at fivestarguitars.com. Thank you so much to all the folks who have reached out. We're getting to you one by one to tell us your story behind the yard sign. If you've got a story that you want to tell, find us. You can find us at spade-archer.com. Click on the podcast link. Thanks, Kellyanne. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you, Chad. Thanks, guys. Bye. This production of Behind the Yard Sign is brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager.